This is Brian Bellick. I'm glad to be joined by my partner, Dennis Green. Welcome to the Coach's Show podcast. Here we go. Well, heading into week seven, 68% of all the NFL games have been within one score at some point during the fourth quarter. Parity is king in the NFL, particularly this season. Um, let's talk a little bit about the games that are going on, Denny. And right now, I mean, first off, some of the quarterback plays that we're talking about, the qu- the play of the quarterbacks, the top end, were spectacular. I had the Green Bay Packers game with uh, Aaron Rodgers, and he was nothing less than brilliant. Uh, you know, obviously Brady played very, very well, as did Breeze, uh, as did Eli Manning. I mean, the elite guys played elite. Well, they really have, and I, I think it's, it's two things. One, um, these guys can really throw. Uh, they're in systems that they've been in the entire time, so that's, that has a lot to do with it, whether it be Drew Brees or Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers. They've been in the exact same system, uh, Peyton Manning, and so they have that familiarity. Uh, they throw the ball a lot. Uh, defenses are somewhat weakened, particularly in the secondary. I think we saw a few years ago there was going to be this shortage of cornerbacks, at least cornerbacks that can stay with wide receivers. And how many times have we seen this past week and guys just breaking down the field and outrunning the cornerbacks and, and going in for the deep balls. And so it's a game that the fans love to watch. It's a game that puts up big yardage. 300-yard games are really nothing now. Everybody gets a chance to do them. And uh, it's just added to the fire of how you cannot be out of the game in the fourth quarter. As long as you can still got 150, 20 yards left in you, and some of them have done that, you're going to be able to close that game down, get it down to within seven points or a field goal, and have a chance to catch them. And that's what's been taking place. And I think not just the 300-yard games, but the willingness for people to say, oh, we're okay throwing it 40 times a game. I mean, in the day when you and I were working together, if you threw it 40 times, something was wrong. <laughs> it was mean your defense was giving up way too many points or you couldn't run the ball. I mean, when you looked at the, the box scores, a plus 300 yards, 40, 40 uh, attempts or more, it was usually in a loss. And that's not the case today because teams are – I looked at Green Bay Packers, and they're, they'll run out of necessity, necessity being, well, we got to run a little bit. But they're more than comfortable. I mean, you think about it. When, when you talk about a, a, a Drew Brees or you talk about Eli, or not necessarily Eli, but Peyton Manning and, and, and certainly Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers was, he was 30 of 37. That means every, you know, and you know when you throw the ball, you're going to get a minimum of six, seven, eight yards. Right. Every time you run the ball, you're costing yourself yardage. Right. Because there's no way you're going to run. When you got a guy going 30 of 37, the way Aaron Rodgers was the other day, you know, you can make a real case. Why, why even bother him to run the ball? Well, you know, it, it seemed like it showed its head, reared its head, I guess, uh, maybe a couple years ago in, in that, you know, the game of football, and, and I'm an old timer, the game goes in cycles. And, and right now we are in a cycle where pass defenses are most definitely behind the pass offense. Now, a lot of this has to do with, you know, young guys, they're in these passing leagues, they're in seven-on-seven leagues, coming out of high school, guys going to college, regardless of whether they're running some type of option, some type of a, a pistol gun or, or regular option spread. I mean, they're used to throwing the ball a lot. They're used to throwing the ball down the field. And now I think when they come into the National Football League, we have a lot of rookie quarterbacks starting. They they may not win a lot of games because uh, they're on teams that are not maybe as good, but they sure throw for a lot of yardage. And I think that that's what's taking place. That becomes part of the game. And also think, it, like I said earlier, it's tied into uh, rule changes to a certain extent. You can be – 
pretty liberal with your hands on protecting the quarterback. Uh, I think it's tied into, you know, guys have to be cautious about how they can get to the quarterback, how they can hit the quarterback, how they can pressure the quarterback. How so they can hit the receiver. It's all, it's all, all of the above. You know, the, the other day um, when Sean Green got hit on a, you know, out of the backfield, what we call a shallow route, and because he didn't sit down and because they don't sit down anymore in the game. So he's running across the field out of the backfield and Sanchez throws in the ball right before he gets hit. I mean, I worried about both guys on the collision. Well, I mean, m- most of your basic rules would tell you to sit down, but they don't use those, those basic rules don't count anymore because you're able to run so freely. And that was a very, very dangerous play. Yeah, it's, it was it was amazing to watch uh, uh, Rodgers go off the way he did, and and we're be- you know the thing that jumped out at me when you look at all because there's a lot of guys that threw over forty times. Sanchez threw it forty one times. Brady was forty two. Whedon was forty one. Eli Manning threw it forty times. Josh Freeman threw it forty two times. Flacco forty three. Palmer forty six. Now a lot of these were losses, so it fits still the equation. You throw it that much, it's usually not a good thing. Uh, but when you look at the top guys, Rodgers. Eli, Breeze, Brady. The other thing that jumped out at you, these guys were better than 60% on third-down conversions. That, right. That's the key to me, their ability to sustain drives. I mean, the average in the NFL is going to be mid to high 40%. If you're converting at 60%, that's two more sets of downs. That's right. almost two more possessions per game. Uh, that, that's that's where these guys can just carve you up. Yeah, and I think it's just a sign that the offenses are way ahead of the de- pass offenses or further ahead than pass defense. It could be, and I think there have been some major developments in the, in the passing game. I don't want to be too philosophical on this, but I'm not sure there's been any major developments in pass defense. Uh, you know, I mean, when, when you look out there and you see a Wes Walker, just, I mean, he had a bad game yesterday because he only caught seven balls for 65 yards. I mean, normally been in double digits, you know, and, and, uh, you know, you've got to somehow, I guess this winter defenses need to look at what are some of the things we can do to improve pass defense, because it's, it's really, uh, you're looking at some self-fulfilling prophecies out there. I mean, it's like, they're going to be able to, to move this ball. They're not going to be able to get stopped. And, uh, I think that's been the case. So what is it going to take for you guys to, to put this dominance on the field so that you will start scoring those, having those 35-point games, and what what can you do? I'm going to leave this room, and I'm going to bring in a suggestion box, and I want your suggestions to be in that suggestion box because I sure don't know. I really don't. Uh, I, I wish I could tell you, but the only thing I control, sweetheart, is, is, is myself. Well, let's let's stay with the quarterback theme a little bit. Yesterday, a little bit of a hubbub about Cam Newton uh, and and his handling of the post game news conference after a loss to the Dallas Cowboys, a very narrow loss. Uh, and then today, uh, the announcement. This is today being Monday. The, the announcement that Marty Herney, the longtime general manager, has been let go. Uh, but let's let's begin with Cam Newton and his post game press conference. Clearly dejected. Clearly upset. Didn't handle it real well. Uh, some people say he threw his coaches under the bus. and I mean, it was more of a, just a, an emotional, hey, I don't know what the problem is. Uh, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's my coordinator and coaches. I don't know right. if it's the system. I, so, okay, I'll give him a, a break here. It, it was not handled well and then referred to a, 
a reporter, a female reporter, is, look, I'm going to put a suggestion out box out there, and, sweetie, if you want to have some suggestions, you put them in there. <laughs> he just he didn't handle it very well. And I think it cuts at the heart with some of the issues that Cam Newton, some people are beginning to question now, the eye-popping talent that we saw last year as to whether Cam Newton can be a guy. Well, I, I think, I'm sure he can be a guy, but, you know, he was 1-5, you know, last year at this time. You know, before the game yesterday, and he was one in five this year, and so I think the expectations they change. You know, he, he finished strong, did some pretty spectacular things, had some outstanding games, and your expectations and yourself go up, and that's what has happened with him. I, I didn't like the fact of this. Super, I, I don't, I don't follow it that carefully, but I guess I don't know if it's a Superman chest thing who pulls right. open or something. I don't know, but uh, I mean, the reality is you have to learn to be a mature starting quarterback. And be ready to play. Understand that you're going to have some good days and some bad days. I don't think there's been any guy over the last four years that had has had more adversity than Eli Manning, and 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 he has mixed that with some incredible highs. So, but I mean, he's been you know down five and six at a particular time, and you know he was at a stage where he couldn't play at home. I mean, he was. They were like one year they were like uh, I think they were six and two. Uh, on the road and and something like four and four or, right. or three and five at home or something, you know. And so uh, I just think that that's what Cam's got to focus on. I mean, expectations. Yep, the team has not uh, played very well. But it's you know, to say I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a coach or the coordinator. That's not that's not the way to go because it almost implies that you're saying thinking it is that. Most often you have to take responsibility for what you do. And and then recognize that it's not always going to go right. I mean, I don't know if he got a little bit uh, overconfident because things went his way at the end of the season. Uh, but you have to recognize that, you know, the good and the bad, it, they work together. You know, Drew Brees at one time was 0-4. I mean, he was getting some yardage in, but he wasn't winning. And that's really the name of the game. And, and I think that's probably the fact that that upsets him. You know, he's had more turnovers. You know, last year at, at this time, you know, he only had two fumbles and didn't lose any. Now this year he's had six fumbles, he's lost three. You know what I mean? So he's had more interceptions. And and, uh, and so I think all those things come into play and make it very difficult to handle. I don't think you have to answer every question. I mean, I think that's the problem. He, You know, he goes in these, in these press conferences and almost like he has to be, he feels, or appears to feel that he has to be the one that explains what happened on the field. That's that's not your job. You don't have to do that. Really, all you have to do is say, I disappointed you are. You didn't win. Answer some questions about what took place. And then leave this philosophical aspects of what's taking place on the team and stuff to the coaches. That's what they get paid for. Yeah, clearly, I think it's it's a maturity issue for Cam Newton from for a number of different things. One, uh, the combination of the losing. We talked about how last year, I th- it was great last year that was just let him play. You know, good and bad, right. and you learn that way. They were six and ten, and okay, so he throws another interception. You're five and eleven. Who cares? You're you're learning now. Okay, now let those lessons apply to this year. Right. Um, but he he hasn't made that development in terms of a team, in terms of combining his play with the wins. He's also. A little bit of, uh, I'm sure, he's not the prettiest girl in town anymore. You know, with all the talk about RG3 last year, it was Cam Newton. Cam Newton is this guy phenomenal. It's the wave of the – now all of a sudden it's RG3 who's winning to a certain degree. So I'm sure that that's bothering him a little bit. Um, yeah, the maturity, you know, Denny, we've worked with quarterbacks a long time. You know, when you sit in production meetings, getting ready for games, and you sit with, you know, the bona fide great ones right now, Rodgers and Brady, the Mannings, Breeze. 
go back old school, the Aikmans, the Youngs, the Montanas, the Marinos. There was a maturity, an emotional maturity about those guys. You'd sit with them, and they may not tell you anything. I'm not saying you have to learn how to become a media uh, uh, guru and, and, and pander to the media, but you can learn to not say anything, do it respectfully, uh, and deal with those situations, and it makes your life easier. He and a Jay Cutler have not figured that out. It's just kind of like, look, I'm in control of this. I'm going to act the way I act. And and it makes their life a whole lot more difficult. And, you know, give me the line. You were you were exactly right. If you were mentoring, what would you tell them to do? <laughs> well, I think, you know, again, you got to listen. You got to listen and not talk so much. Exactly and I, I think right. that's really the kind of the key thing. You know, in the in second year, you are not supposed to have all the answers to the NFL. Now. You're not supposed to have all the answers to what took place on that game, you know, an hour ago. I mean, there are guys that have been doing this for a long time. They paid their dues down, and that's the, that's the advantage of sitting and waiting. I mean, you know, there were guys that that didn't just step on the field and play. Aaron Rodgers did not just step on the field and play. He waited, and he watched, and he listened, and and he, you know, and so I just think that Cam is just, you know, expectations, and man, expectations are incredible. There's nothing like it. But you have to just don't blow everything out of proportion. I mean, the team the team is not that good right now anyway. You cannot do it by yourself. Don't blow things out of proportion. Find a way to get a win. You know, they got a big game coming up, you know, this week. And and just say, hey, let's forget about that. And we're going to go into Chicago. Chicago's going to play Monday night tonight. They'll have one day less. We got an advantage on them. Let's see if we can play our best game. And, and, and just really try to let this yesterday's game go because there was way, way too much discussion about his mood, his attitude, his feelings, his emotions. All those things, they don't really have much to do with completing passes. Well, let's talk about a consequence that comes about when you're 1-5 because Carolina uh, in the news again today and letting their general manager, Marty Hurley, uh, go. And that is that is uh, Marty Herney, excuse me. Uh, and that is that is rare. A couple of years ago, we saw Jarrett Kikinis in Cleveland let go during the season. You're used to coaches getting let go during the season. Denny, we've talked about, many times now since you and I've been doing this, how it's become a general manager's league. Right. But there's a price to pay for that now. And now they're being held accountable. And Marty Herney, who who is the overseeing and brought in Ron Rivera, you know, normally in the old day, it just would have been the coach that got fired. But now it's the general managers. Let's talk about the firing of a general manager here in the middle of the season. Well, the reason it's not normally done is is because you normally need a certain amount of time to try to ascertain what this particular team looks like. You know, uh, Ernie's been there for a while now. And and so I think eight years or maybe almost 10 years, I guess. And so if, if things aren't going the way you want, then ownership's had a chance to look at that. But you don't normally make that move during the course of the season. I think that, you know, and I didn't see what the reason they gave. And, and these days you might not, they might not give a reason. They might just, just say, hey, the guy's out. And you assume just because the team is, is one in six that uh, he or one in five that he's out, you know, for that obvious reason. And so I think that's that's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough on the GMs because it is a GMs league. Which, and when we say that, we're not trying to be critical. But we're saying is the league has had a shift. They've had a shift between an era when you had guys like Jimmy Johnson or you Brian or other guys that that you know pretty much were you know equal to the gentleman. I'm not saying they were bumping equal and had an equal equal amount of say. Well, I think with the younger guys coming in now. There's been a lot of younger coaches, a lot of first-time head coaches. You know, they're not expected to to be on that same level with the general manager. It's the general manager's call. 
uh, normally in the draft. This general managers call a lot of times on who the coordinators on. This general managers call a lot of times on on the style of play and the quarterback and and all those other things. And I just think now that if things don't go well, then the general managers now have become accustomed to. It's like okay, now you're pointing at us. Right. And uh, I think that's what's that's new and that's different. And that, that was part of last year when you had new general managers in, in Indianapolis, which is like, are you kidding me? You're letting Napoleon go? Uh, yeah, we're letting Napoleon go. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's obviously a sea change in the way the league does business. Uh, Book, uh, Bucky Brooks, uh, our Bucky Brooks here at the NFL Network and NFL.com, was a regional scout for Herney in Carolina for five years. And, and for those that are interested, need to check out what uh, Bucky's writing about, talking about what the firing means and how that will change the operations day-to-day in, in Charlotte. I think part of the reason Jerry Richardson, who was a former player in this league, um, there, there was, I don't know if it's a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff. It's hard to imagine that. They went out and did something in the offseason that was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, they had their Jonathan Stewart. They had D'Angelo Williams, two of the best one-two running backs in the league. Went out in free agency, a little bit of a surprise, and were competitive and got uh, Tolbert from San Diego. So here they've got a running quarterback. They've got these three really good running backs. Uh, that says, okay, we're going to get better on defense because they're struggling on defense. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to let a Cam Newton maybe throw the ball 30 times a game. And he'll run four or five times with it, and that'll be our formula. But they're 24th in the league in rushing attempts. Now, part of it is because they've been down uh, in the score so many times and get behind the count. But there, there appears to be a little bit of disconnect between, all right, here's the personnel we're going to bring in to run the system we want to run, and then we don't necessarily run a system that highlights that ability. So that may be some of the reason why Mr. Richardson decided to pull the plug on Marty Herney uh, uh, and, and what that means for Ron Rivera going forward, because keep in mind, this is Marty Herney's the one that hired Ron Rivera. Right. So there's a little bit of the, okay, what does this mean for me? Uh, and, and, and I'm going to be interested in saying, okay, what changes on the field now in terms of the strategies that they've been employing well you know i mean they've got to win a game and i think that's where that's where the focus will will come from right away they also said they're not going to name an interim you know so they're going to which is unusual also i mean to, to remove a general manager and there are a lot of decisions that will be taking place particularly once you get halfway through the season there'll be a lot of decisions that are taking place if you are no longer in the playoff run if you're down to four games five games and you're not and you're not in the playoffs then you can start looking ahead a little bit uh, on on what's going to be free agency. There are a lot of decisions that have to be made, and for them not to replace him, then I, I think that tells you something about, you know, where where they're going. I'm going to be interested in seeing, we know that in the coaching ranks, that once that first hiring comes, firing comes, I should say, like we saw Juan Castillo right. last week, we even even had a chance really to talk about that at that length. Uh, since Juan Castillo's been let go in Philadelphia as the defensive coordinator, what we tend to see, and then when uh, somewhere along the line we're going to see a head coach here fired, uh, and what that usually does, it prompts some other movement because people like, well, okay, they're trying to do something, so now there's pressure. Well, why don't you fire a coordinator? Why don't you fire the head coach? be interesting to see if the, uh, at the GM level we have some other GMs in similar situations, Gene Smith in Jacksonville. Jacksonville's struggling. Gene Smith stayed on from the former regime and is the one that hired Mike Malarkey. Mark Dominic in Tampa Bay brought in, you know, he made Raheem the head coach, Raheem Morris, and then he's out after a, a year uh, or two, and then now we're going to bring in Greg Schiano and they're struggling. Um, be interesting to see if if there are some repercussions at the administrative and general manager level since you know in coaching it usually starts a little bit of a cascading effects down the way and also it, it operates around the buy you know Philadelphia had the buy week that's when they made their move and uh, and so that also creates that scenario where 
you know, we're, we're not where we want to be. We don't have the record we want to have. We're not playing like we thought we were going to play. In this case, we're not using the, the personnel that we thought we would. And then there might have been some discussion on how we're going to use. We brought this person, how we're going to change and how we're going to use those personnel. And and then if we're not winning. And, and so you tie that into the bye weekend. And, and that's why there's always a little something new and exciting in the NFL. Let's flip it back to the Cowboys in the game. Let's remember the Cowboys won 1914 against the Panthers. Just one little thing there. People are talking a little bit about the conservative play calling now of Jason Garrett. You and I both know how that goes. That uh, I always love when people go, oh, you're so conservative. You're so predictable. I know what you're going to run. Well, I can run it or throw it. you got a 50-50 chance of guessing, right? Uh, but now they're on Jason Garrett a little bit. I guess it was a third and long, third and nine. He chose to run the ball, uh, uh, almost capitulating the down. Uh, and people are saying, are you too conservative? Jerry Jones came out and said, no, I like the conservative play calling of my coach. You know, it begs the question that comes up. Okay, is it's a calculation that it's a tight game. Uh, I like the way my defense is playing. I'm going to play those odds as opposed to my quarterback in a bad position to make a throw that could maybe not turn out well. Or is it a sign that maybe he doesn't trust his quarterback's judgment? Well, I think he trusts the judgment, but I think it was a game they had to win. I mean, they they, they won a very close game against the Carolina team that has been struggling. If they had lost that game, then, man, that would have been tough. So I think that there are times when you want to get through the game, you know, and play it close to the vest. That was one. We know that, uh, and it's hard to say if, where Witten was because that's normally a security blanket, you know, a play-action fade, get the ball to Witten, get that first down. He chose not to do it. And and kick the field goal, and then say, "Hey, all right, now defense, we 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 push it outside of a, a field goal. They have to score a touchdown. They have to score a touchdown, and let's get out there and play some defense." And that was one of those type of games where you just you, sometimes you have to uh, just win a game, and that was a good opponent for them to win a game on. I'm concerned about everything. I mean, you know, you can you can talk about pretty much everything today. I mean, what what are we concerned about? You know, we've. Uh, the good thing and the thing we talked about is it, it's the NFL. It's one loss, you know. As, as uh, sometimes you get you get tossed out of the out of the bar, you know. And we did today. We came in with high with good intentions. We came in uh, ready to do battle, and I thought our guys fought. You know, our guys kept we kept we kept running back in, and they kept throwing us back out. Let's move on now. Another game that uh, was a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, I had the Baltimore Ravens last week against Dallas. They were able to pull out a win. Got run on again by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and I thought they would go down. They had to go on the road to Houston. We know Houston was kind of licking its wounds after getting just manhandled uh, by the Green Bay Packers, giving up six touchdown passes to, to uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I thought Baltimore, all but with the injuries they had defensively, would go down there and, and maybe whoop up on, on Houston, and they got manhandled. Let's talk a little bit about where, first off, where we think the Baltimore Ravens really are because now – you know, you get run on the way they've been run on. If it happens once, it's it's an accident. Twice, it's a coincidence. Three times, this is a trend. And when you look at the Baltimore Ravens getting run on the way they're getting run on, I mean, they gave up, um, let me look here, 133 yards rushing. Let me know I'm going. 214 yards rushing against Kansas City, 227 yards against Dallas, and then 181 yards against Houston. There's some problems in Baltimore defensively. Well, <clears throat> against the run, they definitely are. I mean, you know, uh, Houston has a very good running attack. Now, take away the, the one bad game, you know, when the bright lights were on. They they did not play real well. But they're a fabulous running team. They make it very difficult uh, for you to defend against it. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that the injuries are just starting. And the physical nature, the tough schedule. Baltimore's yeah. had a tough schedule. The tough schedule 
the physical nature of the people you're playing against, uh, how you have to try to defend against. I mean, going up against Kansas City, you might beat them, but the way they run the ball, it, it, you know, that's one of those kind of games that on the road. It, it, it was it was not easy. It wasn't an easy thing, and it took its toll. When you wake up the next morning, guys are sore. I think they're just beat up a little bit too much. And then I I never would underestimate the leadership aspect, and you know this of of Ray Lewis not being out there, and, and then the nose tackles hurt too. So I mean, I just think the injuries are a factor. Uh, they seem to play, um, you know, like like they didn't have that pop to really attack Houston. And I think maybe the run pass options at Houston, Houston, who even though they're one of the better running teams, we know that they really are primarily a passing team, if you could say that. And so I think that uncertainty never allowed them to really tee off and try to stop the run. Yeah, and 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 when I look at Baltimore and the run defense, first off, this is new territory for them. So there is that's the thing, John Harbaugh, and he'll do an excellent job of fighting off the sense of panic because they've not been, I don't want to say bad defensively, but not good defensively for a long time. And so there could be a sense of panic, even though you know the offenses have been carrying them a little bit. Although against Houston, they did not do that at all. Let's also remember Houston's pretty good defensively, notwithstanding yeah. the bad game against the right. Green Bay Packers. Right. But we're seeing every team can have a bad game. So far, Atlanta's been the only one to avoid the bad game that cost them a loss. But everybody has had a bad game. Uh, but I was impressed with Houston. I I'm, I'm still have questions about Matt Schaub. Uh, Andre Johnson came back and had a good game. Matt Schaub had a good game against still. This still is the Baltimore Ravens, a team they had never beaten before, so they had to get that monkey off their back. But I, I have to be impressed all but it was at home with the way Houston handled the situation and the way they played. Yeah, and I think so because I had been a, a big Houston fan, was disappointed last week. But I, I think they still have, have all the goods. And, and I think, you know, Flacco has not played well on the road. So, you know, having talked about the defense, now we talk about the offense. You know, he has not been, a, you know, a stellar road warrior. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's one of those things where maybe Rice has to get the ball more running the ball simply because who's going to be your best road player? Well, the backs are going to play home or away. They don't really – they're not affected by that. And so that also has something to do with it because they would have had to stay with Houston. Houston came out ready to score. And they couldn't stay with them, and so then it took them totally out of their offensive out of their offensive plan. You know, everybody's asking, does, what does this mean for Baltimore? Are they still a playoff caliber team, a championship caliber team? Are they a playoff team? Sure, they are. Oh yeah, because you got to look two. at what, what's the alternative. Yeah, they're I mean, five and two. What's so. going to come out of the division? Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Pittsburgh is still struggling at five hundred, and Baltimore. They got the bye week. Then they play Cleveland and Oakland, taking nothing away from those teams. But even though it's it's Cleveland at Cleveland, that's in the division. Then they come back and play at Pittsburgh and at San Diego. So that'll be an interesting run for them. Then they play Pittsburgh again at home. But they got a couple games by way of Cleveland and Oakland to kind of get healthy right. and feel good about them. And you and I both know how important momentum is. So. So, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are going to be just fine in terms of going forward. The, the, the question becomes, um, how good are, is this Houston team? They, they also get a bye week. They play Buffalo, okay. Then they play Chicago. They get Jacksonville, Detroit, Tennessee. They've got kind of an up-and-down schedule. So they got a chance to kind of just kind of hang around in a division now that clearly they're going to win the division. Yeah, well, it, it's up-and-down only because of that one loss because when you looked at it in the beginning – you look at their schedule as an undefeated team that was 5-0 and at one time. You look at Atlanta's that was 5-0, and and clearly Houston had an easier schedule. Now, because they've proven that they are beatable and have lost a game, uh, we might say up and down, but it's still they still have a very favorable schedule. They could easily be a 14-2 and football team, where Atlanta is still going to have its hands full being a 14-2 and team. 
Yeah, and then, so at the end of the day, Baltimore, you know, they haven't uh, uh, they have they haven't given up this many points since 2007, which was my last year, which didn't turn out well for me. <laughs> but <laughs> but I don't think you know we were hurt and beat up and and uh, coming off a 13 and three year and obviously did not get it done the next year with all the injuries. But John Harbaugh's obviously fine. He'll get these guys turned around and and they're going to make a nice run. Fourth and goal from the nine yard line. Five seconds remaining. The Saints up by seven. Trying to win their second straight, as are the Bucks. Freeman out of the shotgun. Two to either side. Freeman calls for the football. Has time. Now the pocket breaks down, and he has to scramble. Rolling to his left. Looking downfield. Throwing back in the end zone. Caught for the touchdown. There is a flag down on the play. Mike Williams on the catch. And there it is. Mike Williams came from off the field of play and was the first Tampa Bay Buck to touch the football. So take the touchdown reception off the board and send the Saints home happy along with a lot of their fans here in Raymond James Stadium today. Let's talk about, uh, we've already talked about some of the struggling teams, New Orleans and Tampa Bay. New Orleans has kind of found their stride a little bit with the last two wins. They beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay blew up offensively. They had a ton of yards. Josh Freeman looked really good. Vincent Jackson had a record day. Uh, New Orleans, uh, you know, again, offensively, the thing that scares me about New Orleans, Drew Brees is playing with house money. Right. They're so far back. It's not going to be a factor. So it's, you know what, I'm going to go down with my boots on. I'm going to fly, let this thing fly, and he is performing at a brilliant level right now. Well, he is, and I think that, you know, defensively they, they haven't stopped a lot of people. We'll talk about uh, about Joe Vitt coming back and what that means. I don't I don't really know what it means. It's, you know, I, I guess I could give him a comment on it, but I don't know what it means. But, you know, but uh, you know, Tampa is a team that also – is uh, just they're playing loose with that game. You know, sometimes they go out, and when they don't, when they're not real wide open, they don't seem to be as effective. But maybe from here out, they're going to prove that they can indeed throw the ball and throw the ball well. Josh Freeman was very good. He's a big, strong guy. can really throw the ball down the field. And they are making big plays all over the place. And in New Orleans, offensively, as we mentioned, Drew Brees is, is going to break. He's going to probably break last year's record yeah. this year which is unheard of. I mean, he, he continues with the record that he broke that Johnny Nines had. I don't know if it stops fairly soon. I guess it just depends on the impact that they're going to have with, with their roster as they come up and, you know, and continue, you know, and continue playing. But, because now the big game is, is going to be at Denver. And so, you know, they've won a couple, so they're better. Uh, they've got Denver, who I was surprised at how well they played. I mean, I don't know why I would be surprised because Peyton has been phenomenal. I thought that uh, San Diego would give him a decent game. You know, I, I hopped off when I got home and, and saw the score. It was, it was halftime. And I said, well, I was pretty right about that. You know, 24 to nothing. I said, okay, what did I say last week? You know, San Diego's going to stay in that cover two. That cover two gives gives uh, Peyton Manning a lot of trouble. I know it's not uh, Indianapolis. It's Denver, 24 to nothing. I was feeling like I knew what the heck I was talking you about. You felt good about your bet. And, and maybe I brought him in because as I watched it and as it unfolded, it was like, man, they can't even get the cover two. They got him in some formations. Peyton went to the line, never huddled up one time. The coach start like they want to sing and Peyton was like okay don't don't I got this don't don't worry about it I I know exactly how we're going to attack this team and Peyton Manning went to work I mean unheralded 35 points in the second half and so I, I think Drew Brees and Peyton Manning next week is going to be this coming week's going to be pretty exciting yeah because New Orleans certainly more so than San Diego did in that second half has the ability to Stay up in the track meet. Yeah, you know they'll they'll go blow to blow with one another. It's regardless of 
of uh, the outcome of the game. It's going to be exciting to watch these two brilliant Hall of Fame quarterbacks. We don't get to see that much. Guys, no, you, you know we're going into the Hall of Fame <laughs> right. that right. are at the top of their game. Right. You don't have to go back to, to NFL Classic or anything to see these. No. You're watching one right now going, of a matchup head-to-head. Now, now you tell me. Now, what, uh, now first off, Joe Vitt's going to be what? He's going to be the, yeah, we talk he's, about he's off that. suspension, six games. I don't know why he got six and Sean Payton got the season. But, all right, so now Joe Vitt, who was the defensive coordinator last year, was Actually, suspended. Greg Williams was the defensive That's right. coordinator. No, yeah. He was, he a was linebacker. the assistant head coach. Assistant head coach. And so now the question becomes, That's right. what does this mean for him, for this team now? Where do you draw? I mean, does Joe Vitt come in going, okay, guys, now we're okay? Well, that's not very respectful to, to Cromer, yeah. the, the, inter, the interim interim head coach. Well, wait, let me get this now. But wait a minute now. But, but see, because I, I said he was defense coordinator, but wasn't, wasn't Greg Williams fired first and Vitt promoted? No. The coordinator before he was suspended? No, no. What happened was once Greg Williams decided to move on right. to St. Louis, uh, and I think it was a mutual agreement that he moved on, right. then uh, Sean Payton immediately went about to find a new defensive coordinator and hired Steve Spagnola. Okay. So Vet has been the assistant head coach. He's been a staple in there the, right. whole, okay. Time, okay. the whole time. And that was why their choice for him for the interim head coach, and then they had to go to the interim interim crewmer. But I'm with you. I don't know with these players. I think Joe Vitt's got to be careful because you go blowing in there going, okay, guys, we're going to be okay now. Well, they've won the last two games. Right. And and you got to be respectful to Cromer because he was just doing yeoman dirty. There. He's still there. What's he going to be? It's not like he, well, he's still the line coach now. <laughs> But 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 now okay. he's not only that no longer the head coach he's not even the coordinator now he answers to Pete Carma I mean this whole thing is a little odd he's a former line coach that and, is no now he's a coach. present line coach and former interim head interim, coach interim interim head coach <laughs> okay. yeah so okay. I don't I don't know how Joe Vitt handles this and you got to walk down because now all of a sudden now if it doesn't go particularly well and you are playing at Denver you know the players are kind of like okay well this didn't go real well. You know, until Sean Payton comes back, this whole thing is just such a rare territory. They're going to try to rally whatever they can, and the players will respond to it. Oh boy, Joey's here now. We're gonna we're gonna play hard, and if it goes well, they can build that. Even if it's a placebo, they'll right. they'll build on that. But I don't know. It's it's got a unique situation. It's got its own pitfalls going forward. We'll see how it plays out. And they're a dangerous team for that reason. They're a wild card. Well, they are a wild card, and and they have won two in a row. And uh, you know, now they are starting to play a little bit better. Begs the question: If they were six and zero. Oh, and rolling along pretty good. What would have Joe Vitt done then? Would he have come and say, you know what, you're, I don't want to mess up what you got going here. Aaron, you continue as the head coach. I'll just kind of fall back into my assistant head coach responsibilities. I'll go ahead. Because it's like, you know, you know, the starter gets hurt at your quarterback. And Randall, yeah. you know, we had Randall Cunningham come in. And we go on a 15-1 uh, run. And Brad uh, Johnson gets healthy. Well, Brad, we love you, but we're going to stick with Randall now. Yeah, you know, and would you have done the same thing with a uh, with the head coach? I got a feeling that it not upset the apple cart. Well, I think again, I, I've been making you know light of it to a certain extent, simply because it's never happened before. Um, I, I assume these are all calls that Benson, the owner, is making because they don't have an active general manager and assistant GM, and and so it's unfortunate, simply because in the National Football League, you like clarity, number one. And you, you, when the football season starts, man, it's, we want to be about football. You know, you don't want to be about things that took place in the off season. So hopefully uh, they'll, they'll continue playing well. You know, Drew Brees is one of my favorite guys, and he's always so fun to watch. And, and this will be quite a shootout. I want to go back before we leave. Let's, let's go back to Tampa for just a second. I have a question for you about Greg Ciano, who's trying to change the culture down there and do all those things. 
Uh, he's at two and four, and he, he plays the Minnesota Vikings at Minnesota, and and Minnesota's playing pretty well. Got to give Leslie Frazier great credit. I didn't think Minnesota was going to be very good this year. Got to give Leslie Frazier great credit for the job he's doing in Minnesota. They go up and lose to Minnesota. Then they have to go to Oakland. Not a good football team, but it's at Oakland. Does yeah, at some point with all the changes that have gone on and the big uh, you know declaration, we're going to change the culture with this with uh, with uh, firing Raheem Morris and the like. Does he run the risk of losing these guys early? Because it's like, you know what, you come in, you've been more disciplined, you've been riding us harder. Okay, that's all well and good. But the outcome hasn't really changed anything. Well, the outcome hasn't changed. He he definitely expects them to be more physical, more tough, more hard-nosed. That's what the goal line stand was about yesterday. You know, they get down the goal line, you know, Vincent Jackson catches a play. It's not quite 100, you know, in the end zone. He gets stopped on a one-yard line. It's first down. They try to run it. They don't get it. Second down, they try to run it, and they don't get it. Third down, they try to run it and don't get it. Fourth down, they try to pass and don't get it. Uh, I think it's part of his mentality. I mean, we're going to try to score touchdowns. Uh, We can knock guys out of the box. uh, And... Uh, he, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't think he's going to, yeah, I don't think he's, you know, risk losing them this year, but I, I just think that, you know, there's this transition. You, you and I came into the league, you know, in 92, having been assistants in the college game. So I had been assistant before in the league. You'd been assistant before, but now you, you know, guys look at you and they want to make sure that you're not bringing, uh, you know, a college mentality. You you may have been a college coach, but you got to bring a pro mentality, and I think that's what they're going to expect. Now he did a heck of a job. Rutgers are still winning. They're, they're seven yeah. and zero. Oh. So I I know he left a, a tremendous program there for that guy. Now the question is is uh, can you make the uh, uh, ability to adjust to the to the pro game? It's not the college game. Well, and make sure to check out uh, on NFL.com to see my preview of the Buccaneers and the Vikings using NFL Game Rewind, where I break down both teams using all 22 coaches' footage. Let's talk about one last or two last games real quick, uh, New England and, and the Jets. I was, uh, had done my game, and so I saw the good part of this. I had a uh, delay in my flight, so I got to see a good part of this game. And uh, obviously, emotional win. It was a great win for New England. The Jets, I thought, equated themselves very well. Um, New England, I still got questions about New England. It didn't look like they could really stop the Jets, and we know the Jets aren't the most dynamic offense in the league. I know it's Tom Brady, it's still Bella Belichick, and it's New England, but uh, I came away feeling a little wanting about the New England Patriots. Well, I think it's the defense. Uh, you know, they, he just, you know, Bill has not been able to put together a defense with a lot of continuity players that have been around a long time. He's still been trying to find guys, stick them in, and then those guys you know, don't play the defense as designed. And and I think it has been a little bit of a of a you know a jumbled up situation. But what what I like most, you know what? Uh, they won that game and like it was a big game. I mean they were three and three going in, as were the Jets, as was Buffalo, as was Miami, and they won. And and uh, they acted like, you know, they had just gone twelve and four. I mean, it was important to them to win the game. They could have lost it. You know, they had a chance to lose it, but they played hard. They won it in overtime and uh, and just did a great job. And so I, I think that the question is still going to fall back. You know, uh, you know, Brady, is was Brady played well? Uh, the, it's going to fall back to Sanchez. Is Sanchez the guy, even though you lose a, a close game, three to four, is he the right guy to help lead this team? He threw some nice passes, guys dropped. 
and he made some some bad plays that had nothing to do with other than you know kind of weak protection. It's not all flowing together still. Offensively, right. I think this is a team that can come up and make plays defensively, and they, and they made New England make a lot of plays yesterday with their offense because of the defense that the Jets played, but they've not been able to get it going on a consistent basis offense. Yeah, two teams, Washington and the Jets, both with losses on the road. You know, you, you never feel good about a loss, but is it something you can build on? You know, you as co- you and I know as coaches, you lose, you lose. You still don't sleep all night, uh, and you can't intellectualize it. You know, I need to sleep. I need to get my rest because you, you run the game over in your mind a million times. Uh, for, for New England or for the New York Jets, they got to play Miami now. So, okay, maybe they can feel okay about playing the way they did up at New England. They still emotionally okay. We let one get away from us, but they got to play Miami now. So it's each week. It's just like uh, out of the fire into the or out of the frying pan into the fire. One week after the next. Well, this this is a big week for them because they're playing home. You and know, this is it, a game it, they should. This win. A, it's a, well, that's why it's going to be tough at right. home. I mean, they have to. You know, the way the game ended with the fumble, the way they dropped some passes. This is a game where they have to, uh, you know, treat Miami a certain way. They've got to have some disregard for them in a way coming on the field and you're coming into our place, we're going to win. And they're going to need to, you know, you know, the Miami's playing better. I mean, that was a team that could easily have been 0-6 right now. They're 3-3, and so they are battling back and playing some pretty good football. They are not a cakewalk like it appeared they were going to be when the season first started. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to watch, the, you know, the Jets just to make sure that they can rise up otherwise because it's still that question. Who, you know, well, if Tebow wasn't playing quarterback, is he going to play running back? What's he going to do? How can he help your team win? And, and uh, you know, uh, it's, it's going to be, if they don't win, that's going to be pushed to the forefront again. How can Tebow help us win? You ask that about every player anyway. How can this guy help us win? Most often there's not anything the guy can do except continue working, continue practicing hard when you get a chance to step in off an injury or something step in and play but i think their inconsistent offensively has made that question pop up more and washington after really an impressive showing at the giants and uh, come up a little short that i've got that game this week with washington Redskins going to pittsburgh got that game for fox and i'm, I'm anxious to sit and look at the tape now right. of rg3 through the entire season Pittsburgh, good win against Cincinnati, but they always seem to win at Cincinnati. They're running the ball better. Pittsburgh's getting back to more of a, a personality of we can run the ball, we'll stick with it. I still think they're old on defense. But it's in Pittsburgh, and I'm going to be anxious to see how RG3 handles that Pittsburgh crowd in Pittsburgh, looking at those Pittsburgh uniforms across the way when you grow up and you have certain views on teams and, and what right. all that entails. Um, well, you know what? This example, though, before you continue, this example of a team that's 3-4 and four, who you would think they were five and two simply because he has taken so much of the attention. He has, you know, he's, he's made it seem like he's having a phenomenal, he's having a good year. He's not having a phenomenal year. The team's doing great. The team isn't doing great. The team's doing better. But I just think that he's such a dynamic and exciting player. It has made it seem like there's more going on. So for them this week, this is a chance for them to, again, you know, get, get the record back, get it back even, and continue making progress. Yeah, and, he, and and let's not let's not forget to talk about Eli Manning in New York. Boy, seventy-seven yard touchdown pass to Victor Cruz. Uh, uh, Eli, like Peyton, now continues to give his team that that swagger of you know what we're never out of this. You never have to worry about what the score is or being down because both these guys have got such faith in themselves and their teams have such faith in them. That's a huge, huge advantage for them because you're never in a situation where you feel like you're out of it. 
Well, I think that Eli's even been superior in that regard. In in that, in other words, a game that absolutely has to be won over the last few years, he's won those games. Right. Now, there have been some games where, you know, you're sitting and looking at them, they're 7-6, and six, they got to beat uh, Dallas, who I might add is coming up this week. They go to Dallas and play Dallas, uh, you know, and they've got to win it, and then they got to beat San Francisco, and they beat them, and then, you know, I, I mean, but, but Eli has really just been a phenomenal uh, leader uh passer uh, you know and a guy that has his team in their own way you know ready to you know to, I guess I don't know what difference it make whether you're 12 and 4 or 9 and 7 or 10 and 6 if you win the Super Bowl championship it it doesn't matter but he is really just playing some superb football and has proven that question is he elite quarterback <laughs> yes 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 he is an elite quarterback because he really can help his team win now you know he the recognition of a bad defensive alignment is something that he has, like his brother, has really learned to take advantage of. And that double team on the slot receiver, which is, okay, now we know he's going to break out or, or he's going to break in. Are we? Are you sure? What if he keeps going? <laughs> and and so Victor Cruz just kept going, you know, and it was an easy play. Eli put it right on him. And for a game that was supposed to come right down to the wire, uh, it was very poorly played in the secondary by Washington, but uh, superbly executed by Eli Manning and Victor Cruz. Let's run through a couple quick coaching decisions before we get out of here. Jeff Fisher in my game went for it on fourth and two, down uh, ten to three to Green Bay, um, and he was in a field goal position. I thought it was a good move because he recognized, you know what? Yeah, we can kick field. We're not going to win this game thir- twelve to ten versus Green Bay. We, it, this could be a track meet. We're down there. We haven't been down there much. I thought it was a good decision to go for it in fourth two. They didn't get it, so obviously you're being second guessed. But I thought it was a good decision. You know what? I've never gone for it on the fourth down when I didn't get it. That I thought it was a good decision. Right. I really. I mean, every time I've gone for it on fourth down and don't get it, I think that was dumb as hell. I, I really do. And so I, I think that you, you you really know better. I mean, the bottom line is you know that you should kick. You you can become compelled to go for it, and, and I can see why he did go for it. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you'd normally kick. Well, let's personalize this. When I was calling the place for you in Minnesota, when we went for it in fourth two and didn't get it, were you thinking – no, no, he's dumb as hell because <laughs> no. he called up the wrong no, play. I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, you say <laughs> I coach, I and, I say, and I say go for it, and <laughs> there's right. never been a time when right. I've said go for it that we didn't get it that I say, you know what, I should not have done that. That's right, that's right. And I got to tell you, I don't, you don't know how much I appreciate I won't publicly go on record. You were the best to work for because you know what? You knew what we were going to do. We made our decisions. You never came in on Monday and going, what the heck were you thinking? when you? Because you knew what the plan was. I always appreciated that. Siano uh, uh, got down. You talked about that goal stand when uh, they get the big play down to the goal line runs three straight times off tackle doesn't get it people are saying he's stubborn it's so you know people got to understand goal line defense when it's a guessing game you either sell out to stop the run or sell out to stop the pass and if they're running you selling out to stop the run you're probably going to stuff it and if you're if you're running to, to, to playing a defense to stop the run they play action pay, fake then there's guys standing stark ass naked open in the back of the end zone for a, uh, a score so it's a guessing game down on the goal line well it is and there are all the scenarios come into play and that and that's what's tough and if you you're normally going to run on first even though there have been some games you know where where you go if you get down and like that you play action boom and a guy walks in simply because they really expect you to try to you, you just pass the way down there 
you know, and and so, but uh, you can just you get led into it. You know, you 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 can run for a yard, surely, and you try to run it, you don't get it. Well, then somebody says, Coach, so and so didn't get to the back, and we'll get to the back of this time. That plays a good play. You try it again, you don't get it. Now on third down, you you really they think you're going to pass. You got to try to run it, and you know, and and um, it just it just goal line stands are incredible for defense. I mean, they really firm up. They are a big downer for the offense. Right. And it becomes a bad Abbott Costello routine of, well, he knows that I know that he knows that I know I'm going to do this, <laughs> so, so I'll do, do the other. But he knows that, so it's a guessing game down there. I know that's not much of an answer for the fans that it is. Last one, couple onside kicks. Uh, Jacksonville up by 14. Uh, and in my game, uh, you got to give uh, Mike McCarthy great credit. He's up 7-3, to three, gets an onside kick. Now, you're the Green Bay Packers. You figure we're going to hold a young St. Louis Rams team that didn't do much offensively. But he obviously saw something. Let's talk about the mentality of when you go for that. They saw something on the film. They saw something on the first kickoff to say, okay, what we thought we saw, we saw it now, so go ahead and let's try the onside Yeah, kick. you know, if a team is not real sound in their alignment, and sometimes that can happen, it could be the personnel that's out there, or it could be their alignment, that, but they're not real sound, and then you think you can take advantage of it. Come up with a play, you practice it, and then the question is, when do you use it? And, and you don't normally do it first because you want to make sure that what you think you saw as far as they're, they're not being technically sound is still there. And that's what they're doing. So then you try it now. But also part of it's tied into the wide open game now, though. I mean, it's like, okay, so if we don't get it, we're still going to throw for 350 yards. Uh, we're still going to, you know, be wide open. They're going to have a hard time stopping it. So I think part of it's the confidence, you know, that uh, that Green Bay has. But it's still, you know, uh, trick plays or trick plays. And they normally work big or they're flops. And in this case, for Green Bay, it worked big. And Jacksonville, so both worked, so both were right. That's that's the prism we look at things, right? <laughs> well, that's going to do it for the Coach's Show podcast. You can download the Coach's Show podcast from iTunes or go to NFL.com slash podcast. Also, I want to hear from you. You can tweet me at Coach Billick. want to hear what you want Denny and I to talk about on a weekly basis. Also, be sure to catch the Coach's Show on the NFL Network every Monday at 6.30 p.m. Thanks for listening.